Good morning. I'm David, and this is my true confession time. Um, so I'm here at Valley Press a couple weeks ago, um, learning how to be a leader for this Lenten practice series. And you are as surprised as I am that I'm being asked to be a leader. Um, my wife, Joni, it's a natural fit, but uh, we thought this would be really fun to do together. So nevertheless, I find myself in a room with 10 people who are all preparing this way. It's a very churchy group. I'm the least churchy of them, I think. Um, and our leader, Nate, kicks off with this idea that he'd like to start with Electio Divina. The, uh, the responses from the crowd were to the effect of, uh, that would be wonderful. Oh, yes, please do. The only problem was I had no idea what he was talking about. I didn't know if I was to bow my head, stand up, clasp my hands, or if I was going to be asked to sing an ancient Gregorian chant in Latin. Um, not much for singing, but I just smiled and nodded knowingly and, and carried on. Um, we took a few breaths, and then Nate read this slowly. Are you tired? worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And then we just, we just sat with it. And uh, a few people wanted to point out a, a phrase that particularly meant something to them. And then we read it again. Are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And then our conversation deepened again. And about this point, um, I finally said, I'm guessing that I'm the only person that, in the room that doesn't know what Electio Divina is. Would somebody stop and explain it to me? I see what's happening, but I had to get more of my head wrapped around it. So I looked it up, um, like any good citizen of uh, Silicon Valley will do. Google and Wikipedia both answered questions for me. Um, that Electio Divina is a traditional monastic practice in four parts. Reading, meditation, prayer, and contemplation. Turns out this guy, Origen, and his uh, buddy Ambrose came up with this in the third century. As the church was forming, they were, of course, tortured, but they came up with this idea first before being tortured. Um, here, here's the point for me, that Electio Divina is not a, a deep theological analysis. It's not, it's not preachy. Um, it, to mix metaphors, it feels like joining with a group of people in, in kind of a common mantra. And um, I, I, I found it really rewarding and really fulfilling. Um, so that afternoon, I put a reminder on my phone every morning at uh, 
to, uh, to, with that passage from Matthew. And so I wake up every morning and before I do the crossword puzzle in the New York Times, most days completed, um, I get this, well, it's Thursday, Friday, that's a little tough. Um, uh, before I start my day with this, and it's just a little reminder. I, I do it on my own. I'm looking forward to doing it in a group with you. And it's changed me. Um, when I get this prompt, instead of waking up feeling late, feeling less than, feeling burdened, which I've done for most of the past 30 years, I wake up feeling like I'm stepping into a stream or I'm entering into this uh, current of that I can start the rest of my day. It's given me peace. It's given me grace. So I'd like to uh, invite as many of you as you can to join us. There are small groups that, as Jenny mentioned, are meeting some on Zoom. Uh, Joni and I are having a group in our house. We're going to do um, these practices. There's different versions of it as the weeks goes on. As the week goes on, um, once we do the uh, Saint Ignatius's prayer of examine, uh, you got to look that up. Um, there's a whole section on ecumenism, which I had to look the word up and then how to spell it. But um, the idea would be that we're going we're gonna to explore these different parts uh, every week together with accountability in a group. It's like a group yoga practice or a team practice or a band practice in your garage. So please join us. Um, it's made a difference for me, and I hope it will for you too. So thanks very much. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Thank you, David. We're also going to be sending you, if you're on our um, email list, a practice every Monday. You'll get a review of the practice as well. So if you don't, can't join a group, uh, you're welcome to try it at home or with, your, with friends and family. Some, uh, some coach somewhere once asked me this question when I was facing a complicated situation. What would this look like if it were easy? What would this look like if it were easy? This is a lovely question, but it's not easy for complicated people like me. There's always so many factors to consider, so many feelings and dynamics and interactions and nuances. If it was easy, why is this so hard? But this seems to be what Jesus is inviting us to in this passage that David read for us. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't this what we all long for? And Jesus doesn't usually make empty promises. So what's here for us today? Would you pray with me? Oh God, you see, we hear your words, and yet we know the complications of our life and our heart, the burdens that we carry, the things that seem very heavy and very ill-fitting. And so I ask that you would be with us as we listen to this scripture and these words today, and may the meditation of all of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, you who are our rock 
and our Redeemer. Amen. This text actually comes at a really complicated moment, given the simplicity of the text. If you look in the verses preceding this in Matthew 11, you'll find that John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, and kind of the one who had gone before him to prepare the way, was in prison. And as I imagine, it feels like when you're in prison, especially for taking um, a stand and for, for being um, the bearer of, of prophetic word that got you into trouble, he's, John the Baptist is probably struggling with despair, wondering if it was really worth it. As the tradition in the text goes, John the Baptist would later be beheaded for the prophetic words that he offered. So he is in prison, likely seeing where this is going, listening to the reports of what's happening with Jesus and wondering, is it really true? Is it really worth it? Did I do the right thing? And so his, John the Baptist's disciples come to him and say, are you really the one, Jesus, who was promised? Is this really what we are hoping for? And so Jesus starts riffing on John the Baptist saying that John was a prophet in the wilderness who was speaking truth to power. John was one who was fasting and, and living sparsely. And then he, he describes the no-win situation of bringing transformation to the world. He says, here's John, who, who was kind of this wild prophet, living on the margins, and then here I am, living with you in society, eating and drinking with others. And yet still, the world has not woken up. The world is still trying to find its way forward in justice and love and compassion. And Jesus says, but I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. There's this sense where Jesus is naming this, what I would we call now kind of this death spiral of where the society was going, of the forces at work. And he's looking ahead and he's saying the consequences are not looking too good for the choices that are being made by this society in this time. So in this no-win situation, in this kind of sense of tragedy that we all know and all experience as we watch life unfold so often on the news and see frustrations of war and injustice and inequity. Jesus breaks and takes this moment of kind of unexpected prayer and tenderness. It says um, in the message translation which we're reading today, abruptly Jesus broke into prayer Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've concealed your ways from sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all of these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father and son intimacies and knowledge no one knows the son the way the father does nor the father the way the son does but i'm not keeping it to myself 
I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are we willing to listen? What is Jesus teaching here? What is the operation that he's inviting us to? Jesus calls it usually the kingdom of God. Dr. Martin Luther King called it the beloved community or the dream. And Aaron Nequist, who wrote our book for this Lent, calls it the great eternal current or the river of God. Aaron says the river of God is always flowing every day and not just on Sundays, in every place and not just in church buildings. And we can learn to swim in each moment. Our cars can become rolling sanctuaries. Our living rooms can become tabernacles, which reminded me of worshiping at home during COVID. <laughs> Thanks to God's gracious presence, simple tools, liturgies, and practices can open us up to what God has been doing all along. This is what Jesus longs to teach his disciples, and this is what he longs to teach us. This is what he modeled and what he asked people to follow him in. A way of life where there is enough. Where we live by compassion and forgiveness. Where the lost are found and justice is done. Where we are connected to one another and to God. A way in which we can find rest for our souls. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. And then Jesus says what we begin with today. Are you tired? Began with today. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. I think this is what the eternal current feels like when we're really in it. It's, it feels like that space, sense of that David experience has been experiencing in the morning, that, that sense of rest, that sense of a break from the anxiety, that sense of being able to get some space from those death spirals that we see around us, that sense of being able to have compassion for someone with whom you are struggling, even as you're struggling to forgive. We learn the unforced rhythms of grace when we follow this way of Jesus. We experience this ease of living in the current. Richard Schwartz, who developed the, um, the, the method of, of therapy, psychotherapy, called internal family systems, says that each of us has a self within us. And as Christian and a pastor and a theologian, I think he's referring to that part of us that is our soul, that is made in the image of God. And he says that when we're living from that self, when we're living from that place, when we're living, what I would say, in the eternal current, we experience eight different C's, the letter C. Calmness, clarity, compassion, curiosity, confidence, courage, creativity, and connectedness. This is what I think it 
it feels like and it looks like to be in that eternal current. These are markers of the flow of grace where we are in touch with our true self, our self that is in the image of God, that part of us that is always connected to God. So how do we enter into that current? I've been reading a book by um, one of my dear friends by um, the name of Libby Hoffman called The Answers Are There. Libby is an extraordinary woman who um, inherited $20 million in her 20s. And she decided uh, to, with that money, to engage in peacemaking throughout the world. And after some searching for kind of the first initial project, she discovered um, the work in Sierra Leone of a of a activist there who longed to establish grassroots ways of experiencing forgiveness and reconciliation after that country's civil war. And so they developed a process that was based in cultural practices, Sierra Leonean cultural practices, called fumble talk or family talk. And they would go into a community and they would sit around a fire and together they would they would speak. Um, someone who had lost somebody whose, whose family member had been killed would say what happened and would point to the person who had done it. And there would be a space in that circle for reconciliation to happen between the two of them, not negating what had happened, but including it and transcending it. And she tells the story of of a woman who came into the circle and her seven-year-old daughter had been killed by a man in the village, a man that she had lived next to every day. And she told the story, and in the circle, he was able to name how afraid he was, how the soldiers had forced him to kill, how he didn't feel he had a choice, and yet how he lived every day with the regret of what he had done. And in that circle, around that fire, they forgave, where there was forgiveness and there was reconciliation. And moving forward from that circle, this man continued to help this woman with her daily chores, helping her carry firewood and cook. It was as if he was also trying to, to offer some restitution for the loss of her daughter by helping her. This seems like so hard to imagine. How is that possible? I mean, even for me, who has seen it with my own eyes in Rwanda, it's hard to imagine what makes that kind of forgiveness and reconciliation possible. But as you read Libby's book and you go on, you recognize that this moment took months of preparation that there was relational work that was done in the community, that, that there um, was work done with, with the chiefs and the leadership to, to understand how to create this kind of space, that there was physical work that was done for weeks where they, they literally would clear a space, a physical space for the bonfire in the middle of the village. They were clearing and making space for this flow of reconciliation to happen. And so that when it did ha was time, it was able to happen and was able to flow. And similarly, I think, to enter into this flow of grace and of God's love, we must 
learn how to create space for it to happen. And that's what the season of Lent is. It's a clearing space for this kind of ease to allow those, those eight C's to be present in our lives. And this season of Lent, we're offering you these beautiful ancient practices. These are time-tested ways to enter the unforced flow of grace. You don't have to make it up. There's a whole tradition in which we enter in and we begin to work with and find that God meets us there. This is the invitation and the invitation of the, the invitation of Jesus and the invitation of this season to enter into that flow, to make space for it in your life and together to become a community that is practicing and embodying that flow out into the world. May it be so. Amen. If you'd like to offer a gift to our community, there is an offering plate in the back and there's instructions on how to do it online or through your phone. We'd love to um, continue to keep building a more loving world together. And now I'd like to invite our choir to come and sing for us, Come to Me.
Thank you. Let's continue our spirit of prayer. God, we do come to you today and again in a few minutes and again tomorrow and later this week as the world keeps coming to us with grief that seems too heavy to bear, with sicknesses that seem to defy our body's capacity to heal, with injustices that seem so complicated we don't know the way forward. We thank you that you invite us to come to you just as we are, moment by moment, that you are always offering all of yourself to all of who we are. May we be those who are always learners, learners of how to practice grace, learners of how to create space for you to be present in our lives and in this world. And may we create space for others to learn from and be with and participate in your kingdom in this world. Today we'll pray uh, this version of the Lord's Prayer from the New Zealand Prayer Book. It's a responsive reading. Would you join me? Eternal Spirit, source of all that is and that shall be, Father and Mother of us all, loving God who is in heaven, following of your name echo through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With bread we need for today. And the hurts we absorb from one another. Forgive us. In times of temptation and test. From trials too great to endure. From the grip of all that is evil. Together. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever.